What's going on, guys? Uh, I am still in New Orleans, but through the power of technology, we're going to bring you uh, an episode of Dyson Pipes. Uh, so last week, uh, we didn't do any gameplay. We talked about some dice. Uh, it appears that fucking Barry never took any fucking pictures of these dice, so I'm going to kick him in the ball bag when I get back. But uh, this week... I'm just going to do gameplay back-to-back. So it's going to be one episode this week. We're going to start with D&D, and then we're going to get into 40K. Uh, so with all all that said, uh, you enjoy yourself. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. I think I might be too nice to you. What do you mean? I've given you gold. You know. Blowing you up on a bridge. <laughs> Almost eaten by a fucking cannibal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're very nice. <laughs> very nice. Very gentle soul. You're as innocent as the water of the sin. <laughs> Nailed it. Yep. Um, all right. So I'll, I'll cozy up to the bar and I'll wait until the uh, like a barmaid comes over. All right. So while you're uh, sitting there waiting, uh, the inside has a very large fireplace. Uh while the fire isn't going right now, because we're getting into like mid-spring, mm. so it's not really too hot outside. Uh, but there is in like the opposite corner, uh, like a wood-burning stove that's going to just kind of keep the temperature a little comfortable. Um, behind the bar, it's one of those like island bars, mm. right in the middle of the room, and all the glasses are kind of hanging from like racks above the bar. There's bottles of various alcohols. Uh, it's the kind of place that. It doesn't necessarily have like sawdust on the floor, but it also doesn't have carpeting. It's kind of in the middle. Uh, lots of stuffed animal heads for decor. Mm. Maybe some old uh, farming or um, forestry gear hanging on the walls. Kind of like a Friday's almost look. A TGI Friday's, by the way. Of course. And eventually, uh, this kind of heavier set uh, human woman comes up to you. Uh, oh, what are you having? An ale. You have chicken? Take a chicken leg. Sure, sure. Yeah, we have uh, rosemary grilled chicken. It's delicious. I'll take one of those. Uh, ale, light or dark? Dark. Sure. So she goes behind a like a like a keg, uh, like this big wooden barrel, and opens the tap, and some dark foamy liquid comes out. And you hear kind of whisper something to like a bar back or uh, a waiter of some kind and they kind of go off into the back room of this establishment and she puts the glass in front of you and unless you say anything after some time no that's all. okay the chicken shows up and the chicken is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. raw <laughs> not raw uh a little tough stringy okay. maybe overcooked a little bit all right but something that kind of, like, the quality of the food seems to fit. It's mediocre. Everything about this place is mediocre. Okay. All right, whatever. So, I eat it. It's just something to fill the stomach. And, um... Uh, the next time the uh, the barmaid comes over, I'll just kind of throw my hand up to, you know, get her attention. And she comes over. All right. I just say, how do I go about getting a, a room here? Oh, I'll, I'll help you take care of that. Are you new to town? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. Um, well, uh, you get 
a free meal with uh, one night's stay. So the, the food will be on us uh, and it'll be two gold a night. Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, can I have your name? And she pulls out like a ledger. Harrison. Uh, Harrison. Bullet. Uh, okay. And she jots it down. And uh, she said, give me just a couple minutes. I'll go in the back and get you a key. And uh, the room is yours until uh, tomorrow afternoon. Okay. Thank you. And after some time, she'll come back and she'll give you a key. It's got a little piece of wood hanging on it with uh, the number three etched into the wood. Okay. All right. So I finished that ale and the tough chicken. All right. I'll go up to the room. Okay. Uh. You, so there's a. You said that there's like a, a terrace that goes around the second yes. story, but attached to the room. Yeah, like so. Each room has its own little balcony. Okay. All right. So after, not like I have a lot of items, but you know, Harrison will get settled into the room, and then um, he just kind of steps out onto the balcony. Okay. Just to kind of survey. Uh, your balcony faces north, so you are looking at. Um, Mostly buildings in front of you. It's you know not a great view. Right. Um, Get a nice view of the slums. Just, but, yeah, just to you remind can, you me can see how great my life is. <laughs> <laughs> you can see through the buildings. The, you start seeing like the outskirts of like a muddy area to okay. the north. Is there a chair out there? Yeah. Okay. Because if not, if there's a chair in the room, I'm going to put the chair outside. Okay. And then once I get... We're preparing s- a pipe smoking session. Yes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <That's> exa- <laughs> you nailed it. Um, because after I get settled in, I'll, I'm will i going to leave the room. I lock the door, and then I'm going to step outside. And like I said, I'm looking for a... Uh, you know, I got to buy a pipe. I need a pipe. All right. Let's see. So I would say it is probably... Like mid-afternoon by oh. this point. Um, so as you're kind of wandering around, uh, you end up finding <laughs> pizza my heart. No. <laughs> uh, the Amusing Shark. And the Amusing Shark, the front of it, the door is built into... Have you ever seen like those old shark teeth? Like the it's like the bone of just the teeth, like yeah, the yeah. opening. They put that on its side and opened it real wide. It, it came from a large shark because it's big enough to house the framework for the door. So you actually walk through a shark's mouth to get into the door. That's sideways. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I would think Harrison it, it can't even comprehend what the fuck that is. Oh, yeah, you've never been to the ocean, right? No. Yeah. Nah, so he walks into this place, like, very cautiously. <laughs> uh, and this is kind of like a trinket store. There's all kinds of baubles and nooks and crannies. and Okay. As soon as he catches the eye of the shop owner, like a little child, he starts asking about the shark mouth. Like, <laughs> what is that? Oh, that's that's the mouth of a shark. You've, you've never seen that before? No. Sharks get that big? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mostly to the north. They don't really come down here very often, but yeah. And people swim in the water? Sure, yeah. I mean, they don't come that close to land. This was caught offshore. Did you catch this? 
No, 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 no. We bought it. Oh, okay. You have any pipes? I'm, I'm looking around. Yeah, sure. Uh, give me a flat 20. Let's see how many pipes they have. All right. 15. Uh, so he brings you over to this little display case, and there is a cacophony of pipes. There are meerschaum and briar, and some are very long church wardens. Some are short and stubby, like nose warmers. Uh, all kinds of shapes and sizes, finishes, colors. Okay. I'm going to look at a, a nice little nose warmer. While you're looking, you got a 15, you said? Yeah, 15. While you're looking, you do see another pipe that's inside of a bag. You can't see the pipe itself, uh, but it's inside of like a cloth bag on top of a little like uh, gift box. All the other pipes are like openly displayed. Yes. Uh, excuse me. Yes. Can I take a look at that one? What's in there? Oh, this is this is our prized possession right here. Uh, yeah, let me get it for you. So he kind of opens up the, the case and he grabs the little bag. And he pulls it out and it is uh, kind of a basic looking pipe, but it's like an ivory color. He's like, this, uh, this pipe came from House Dragon Watch. And legend says that it's made from the bone of an extinct animal. An extinct animal? Oh, yeah. How old is this? Uh, it comes with a card, uh, a certificate of authentic authenticity. Let me, uh, let me get. Uh, so he pulls out this little card. <clears throat> uh, the pipe you are enjoying comes from House Dragon Watch, carved from the bone of an ancient animal itself. This bone is es this pipe is estimated to be over a thousand years old. Wow. Crafted by handmade artisans. Uh, yeah, everyone always likes to look at this pipe. Um, we've had it in stock for brr, a couple of years, you know, because it, it's pretty expensive. But uh, it comes from uh, Greendale. I don't know if you've ever heard of it out in Dragon Watch, but there's a famous pipe maker uh, that lives in Greendale. And uh, this is one of his pieces. What's the asking price? Uh, 800 gold. Uh, the owner of this, uh, of, of the, of the shark got it at auction. Well, that's quite impressive. Can I hold it? Sure. Yeah, I just, I'm not buying it. Yeah. But I'll, I'll take a look at it. Yeah, feather light, but it feels very, like, durable. Right, right. I throw it to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Can I puff on it? I just want to see what the draft is like. Sure. Alright. Not to be weird with the guy, but you know, I just talk on. I'm like, wow, this is actually a It's amazing. Solid yeah. pipe. Yeah. Okay, I put it back down. And then I go back to looking at the cheapies. <laughs> 800 gold, my ass. Alright, for I, I think uh, like a, a little briar, nose warmer. Nothing okay. fancy. You know, something rusticated. Yeah, I can even care less on the color. It could be red, it could be brown, it okay. could be black. You know, whatever he's got. Uh, do you need any tobacco to go with this? Oh, of course. So he pulls out some uh, ceramic jars, and they're all labeled as different kinds of tobaccos from different parts of Debrin. Okay. Uh, let me just get two ounces of... Uh, you pick for me. Uh, Virginia and, and another two ounces of, uh, of an English, please. Okay. 
Um, so we have these here, and he's showing you the you know certain tobaccos or whatever. He puts together like a little uh, little travel pouch of each kind, uh, like disposable travel pouches, right, right. of each kind of uh, tobacco. And he's like, "Well, you seem to really know your stuff about this this pipe thing. Um, I have a tobacco you might like. What do you got? This tobacco. It's expensive, not as expensive as you know the pipes." Uh, it's going to be two gold an ounce. So it's pricey, but this tobacco we ship directly to the Empire. Really? Yeah. For somebody in particular? Uh, you'd have to ask the owner. I'm not sure who buys it, but this this routinely goes to, to Sona and then off to the Imperial City. Can I look at it? Sure. And he pops open this jar and it's purple. You stop it. How much do you have? How much do I have? Yeah. Like how often in stock? Do you, yeah, yeah. Like I don't. Uh, this is all of it. It's probably about a pound. <sighs> and you said I'm sorry. Two gold per ounce. Yes. How many ounces are in a pound? 14? 16. 16. 32 gold. I'm thinking about it. Dude, that would last me my entire life. You've you've heard of this? I, I, I have, as a matter of fact. It's quite good. How often do you come in contact with this, that you're sending it through uh, to Sonia into the Empire? Nobody ever really buys it. It's pretty harsh. I, I mean, it sounds like you've smoked it before, yeah, so yeah. you understand that. Uh, it, it smells amazing, but mm -hmm. to smoke it is kind of rough. And I think I'm allergic to it because when I smoke it, I, I, I don't feel that great. Oh, really? Yeah, the first couple of times, same thing with me. Um, well, I'll take, I'll take two ounces of the Virginia. I'll take two ounces of the English. I'll take this pipe right here and I point to some basic bitch, you know, stubby briar. Um, and I'll take four ounces of uh, of that tobacco, please. Okay. Anything else? No, it should be all. all right, well, I start, you know, reaching my bag. I'm pulling out some coin. Yeah, listen. Uh, let me give you another pipe. It's a throwaway, but if we're going to spend that much... Oh, let me give you a little gift. Thank I'm you. sure the owner would appreciate all this business. Uh, and he grabs another, like, th kind of a throwaway, unfinished pipe. Uh, you seem like you're traveling. So maybe while you're traveling, you should use this one. In case it breaks, you won't be out anything. And save this nice one that you just bought for when you're relaxing. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank you. Good. So uh, we spent, uh, let's see, two gold per ounce, four ounces you got? Yeah, so that's eight. Eight. Tell you what, let's call it nine gold all around. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're new in town? Yeah, I just got here. Any, do you need directions to anything or do you need a place to stay? No, but what's going on with these fires? I've now heard like three people talking about fires in, oh, in town. Oh, God. Yeah. It depends on who you talk to. Uh, one thing is for sure. I think everyone agrees it's not bad luck. Um, but yeah, we've had probably the last like couple of weeks we've had a rash of fires uh, to be honest with you and i don't want to speak out of turn um and i think this is a beautiful city uh 
you could have a lot of fun here, but I think the Thunder Force is kind of slacking off. There's crime out of control here. Really? Yeah, like these fires. I'm convinced that there's just a fire bug running around. But then we had this bank that was hit. Uh, you know, I don't know if those are linked or not. I, you know, I just work this shop. What do I know? But um, it, it's kind of weird around here lately. Hmm. You know, there's always crime. It's a big city, but like muggings and and larcenies are one thing. But yeah, bank robberies and arson. exactly. What bank was hit? Uh, Leonard Holdings Corp. It's over by the Upper Coast, which that's especially disconcerting because you know, not to sound rude, but you would think most of the crime would be down here by us, or you know, over in the slums or Red Bog. You know, for a crime to hit up by the Upper Coast, uh, I'm sorry, it's where uh, like the upper middle class lives. Okay. You think Thunder Force are spread too thin, or you just think that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe. Uh, there's, there is certainly a lot of Thunder Force here, but it seems like just these things are suddenly happening, and they're responding to it rather than being there when you need them. You know, there's never a Thunder Force around when you need them. <laughs> All right, well... I appreciate the info, the conversation, and the uh, the deal on the tobacco on the pipe. Thank you very much. Absolutely, thank you. And of course, you know, you need anything, uh, feel free to stop back in. Yeah, sure. What was your name again? Uh, Roy. Roy. I'm Harrison. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'll uh, I'll let the owner know you were here in case he's here when you come back. All right, great. Thank you very much. And watch the shark mouth on your way out, huh? <laughs> and he kind of <laughs> jabs you a little bit with his elbow and laughs, and he goes back to. <laughs> yeah, Harrison will laugh with him. That's funny. All right, Harrison. Quickly <laughs> goes back to the uh, to the inn. Okay, and uh, yeah, he's gonna go ahead and and have a seat. He's gonna sit out on the balcony. Okay, and he's gonna go ahead and pack his his brand new pipe with that purple goodness. Okay, and give it a toke and see if we have the same effect uh, that the other purple tobacco had. All right, give me a flat 20 with advantage. Two 17s. Wow. Yes. So 34. What do you think the chances are of that? That's fucking weird. I think that's a greater, uh, less of a chance of that mm -hmm. than getting a 20 in something else. That's a 1 in 400 chance. I'm going to treat that as a crit. But I'm, I'm making a call. Double the number equals crit on advantage. Roll. I think that's fair. Thank God it wasn't double ones. You'd no, probably be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Snake eyes. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, was, the chance is right. It's one in twenty and one in twenty, so it's one in four hundred chance. So this is exciting. Several things start happening. The the lavender smell starts kind of mm. enveloping you, and. You start getting that ringing in your ears. So this is, so far, this is exactly the tobacco that I smoked the last yes. time. And as you're sitting there puffing, I picture you have one hand. How would you be sitting? So I picture the chair is not a rocking chair. It's a regular four-leg chair. So he's kind of sitting. Maybe his feet kicked up. 
on the uh, the guardrail of the balcony, lean back in the chair. Because I picture the balcony is not very deep, so maybe the back of the chair can butt up against the right, a I wall. Right, I see what you're saying. And just kind of relaxing. That you, you, you picture like some guy in the south sitting on his front porch with like the chair leaned back and his kind of hat down right. over his eyes. That that's that's how Harrison is. Which hand are you holding the pipe with? Well, Harrison would be a. Well, it's weird because I'm a lefty. Uh, I'm going to say he's holding the pipe with his right hand and lighting it with his left. Okay, so as you're smoking it, what is your non-pipe hand doing? Would it be like on your lap? Would it be just kind of hanging off the chair, holding a drink? I would say it's probably holding the collar. Oh, I like of, of your... Yeah. Okay. As, as he's kind of, you know, leaning back. Because he's not having a drink. He's just enjoying a, right. a smoke. So he's just kind of leaned back and his hand kind of up on his collar. Okay. So as you're doing that, the shoulder pads start to slide while the ringing in your ear starts. And you start getting a very vivid image. Almost, almost crystal clear. And the image is of the inside of a place you are not familiar with. What you are familiar with is three corpses on the ground. And that would be the corpses of your family. With blood everywhere. And as you're kind of like realizing what you're looking at and the horror starts setting in, the vision dissipates. And the vision seemed real. It was crystal clear. It wasn't like foggy like it normally is with this armor. This was very crystal clear. So I think the natural reaction would be to initially kind of kick back in the chair, but I'm already like butted up against the wall so I don't fall over. So it forces Harrison to kind of rock forward and he springs from the chair in like a panic and just kind of drops the pipe down to the side. Not okay. off the balcony, just right. kind of drops the pipe down to the side. His breathing starts to become a little more laborsome. Which is funny because kind of at the same time, I almost picture this this tobacco relaxes you. Right? Wasn't that like the initial, yeah. you yeah. know, it just kind of puts you, not in like a canatonic state, right. but you know, it it's has... It's like weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a nice relaxing property. Um, so he, he kind of gets panic stricken for a minute. Realizing that it's not like he could pick up his cell phone and call his wife to check up on her. Um, he does, and he will, take advantage. He, he tries to pull the uh, the, uh, yeah, the shoulder it, it, piece everything, off. Everything comes off. Okay. Um, but as soon as you remove it, you lose connection, and you're back kind of in reality. Would you take the gloves off also? No. Okay. So as you remove this thing, you you know you're still in an altered state of mind. Right. But your visions, your whispers, the 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 ringing in your ears, all of that, almost as if uh, like a phone line that got cut out. It just severs instantly. And you realize it is very late at night. So some time has passed while you were smoking this shit. And now here we are. You're on the balcony. You're all like, like ah. Mm. And I would imagine, like, as you jump out of the chair, you're kind of ripping this thing off at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you're just standing there, like, kind of, I imagine, like, heavy breathing and holding these shoulder pads. And now you're just 
like it's nighttime and you're a little disoriented, a little scared, uh, and standing on the balcony with the heavy smell of lavender around you. All right, Harrison takes the chair, pulls it into the room, and closes the. Is there a door to the balcony? Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll close the balcony door. If there are drapes, he'll draw the drapes closed. He quickly goes over to the door inside of the uh, of the room and confirms that it's locked. Yep. And then. All right, and then he'll grab like whatever pillows were on the bed, like if there's some sort of like pillow, he's gonna go. All right, so this is what he does. If the door opens from outside the room, if it opens into the room and swings to the left, he's gonna go to that left corner. So like if I walked into the room, I'm gonna make a left and I'm gonna go to that corner of the room opposite where the the exit to the balcony is, so I can keep an eye on the balcony. Right. Because I picture like paranoia is starting to set in with him. Uh, he's going to take the shoulder pads. He's going to put them down in the corner. And then he's going to lay with his back on the shoulder pad. So it's like butted up into the corner of the room. And then just try to maybe sleep sitting there. Okay. His sleep is very shitty, though. Yeah, give me... Um uh, just give me a flat 20. 15. Alright, so albeit tossing and turning maybe you do end up falling asleep okay. until the following morning. Okay. So I take it Harrison wakes up. The image is still in his head but he's a little more relaxed. Yeah. How far from the inn to the shop that I was at? I would say it's in the same general vicinity. All right, so it's relatively close. Yeah. It's not that far of a walk. All right, maybe um, if, if like the pillow that I had had a case, I'm gonna take the uh, the armor and put it inside of the case. Okay. And kind of walk as though it's like a uh, like a travel sack. Like a travel sack. Um, he'll exit the room. He'll lock the door. He goes back down to the bar and um, he'll catch the attention of the barmaid and let the barmaid know that he's gonna be staying another night. Okay. So she'll just say, okay, listen, um, just whenever you're ready to check out, we'll, we'll settle up then. Okay. Does that sound good? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, do you need anything to eat? No, I, he has no appetite. Okay. No, 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 I'm good. I'll come back later. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. And he heads out and he's going to work his way back over to uh, the kissing store. Okay. Let's see how this goes. All right. So, uh... We walk back into the kissing star. Uh, there's a couple people in there shopping. Um, someone is picking something up. You see them getting like a, a nice little case uh, and a handshake. And you see that the dwarf kind of looks past him and sees you. Uh, and not rolls his eyes, but is like, ugh. And comes back up to you. Ah, you're back. Is there a problem? No, 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 no. Oh, the, 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 the measurements. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I'm still worried. I've been very busy. Oh, I, I could see. I could see. Don't, don't let me take you away from your business. Uh, when you're done here, I, I took the armor off, so we can go ahead with the measurements. Oh, you. 
you were able to overcome your personal that that's 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 a big deal are you mocking me no <laughs> no I, that that's a big deal yeah weird did you know right after you left here there was another fire anyway uh a cloak right to hide yourself that's what we need to do I think I'll take my business elsewhere. No, 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 please. No, no, thank you. And I start to turn and leave. All right. And I'll leave. A dick. Okay. Oof. No, I didn't say anything. Oh, good. I pull the armor out of the uh, the pillowcase. I throw it back on. Okay. Um, I'm not going to make you do a con save or anything like that, but you do feel it mm. shrink right back onto your body. Okay. That guy's storm might have to get set on fire. Not by me, though. <laughs> um, you could have explained to him that it was just a coincidence and that it wasn't you. No, I'm not giving some guy 100 gold and he's going to be accusatory and... <laughs> Alleged that I'm the fucking arsonist. No, sorry, that's not happening. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll walk around. I'm going to explore the city. I'm just going to look for, like, a tailor. And I'm just going to buy some basic bitch kind okay. of cloak. I just want something to throw over my... Uh, All right, so nothing fancy. No. All right, I would say after some time you find one, we'll charge you uh, three gold for it. Okay. Uh, it's pretty nice. It's uh, like a dark, almost chocolate colored. Uh Scratch that. Roll a 20. Let's see how good you did. 15. Yeah. It's like a dark chocolate. Um, honestly, probably similar materials to what you were going to get from my man at the Kissing Star. Just no uh, no bear fur. Yeah, and not handcrafted. This was right. like, you know, done in, in mass. So it's like a mass produced. Right, right. Um, it's like the starter jacket of... Uh, Okay. It's like buy it's like going to Macy's and buying or like exactly. Walmart and buying a basic yeah, like dress shirt. Calvin Klein, right. you know, as yeah. opposed to going to like Brooks Brothers and having one tailored for Exactly. You. Okay. Okay. All right. So um he's very excited. I mean, not about the image of his dead family, but he's excited. He he got his hands on the purple kush. He's got a brand new pipe. So I think he's he's gonna pack a little pipe and he's just gonna walk around. Uh, he's gonna walk around Port Anchor. All right. Uh, as you're starting to make your way, uh, you hear, "You there? Stop!" It's obvious that somebody's talking to me. I, maybe. <laughs> All right. As I'm walking, I glance. It's coming from behind me? Yes. Okay, so I, I glance over my shoulder. And you see two Thunder Force aggressively walking towards you. And one of them is like with his hand like out like, hey, you, you, stop. All right, I'll stop. And they quickly, there's only two of them, so they can't really surround you, but they, they aggressively block you from kind of walking. What's your business here? I'm a traveler. Should I have business here? We're... Is this the shopkeeper? I'm sorry? Uh, continue. Go ahead. What were you going to ask? Uh, 
we have some questions for you regarding some recent fires in the area. This was the shopkeeper. I said, Lemire, kissing store? I'm sorry, sir. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we were tipped off that you may have something, some knowledge of the fires that have been happening. Let me ask you, where were you uh, yesterday early in the afternoon? Er, that doesn't make sense. Early in the, uh, late in the morning. I had gone from kissing store after I was just done talking to the individual who thinks, well, whatever. And from there, I went straight to the innocent water. You can check with the barmaid there. I rented a room. And you see him kind of look at each other and kind of whisper. Uh, at any point, did you witness a fire yesterday? Yeah, of course. I walked right past the fire of whatever establishment that was on my way to uh, the end. Well, I find that interesting because that store that was on fire is not on the pathway to the innocent water on Foam Row. You're right, it isn't. But when bells are going off in your city and plumes of smoke are flying through the air, it, it kind of caught my attention. We've heard reports that this isn't your city. Okay, is it your city? Yes. Oh, it is. It is. What's your name? Traveler. <laughs> Harrison. Harrison. All right. You see him kind of pull out uh, like a piece of chalk and he's writing on, on a piece of paper. And uh, does Harrison have a last name? Bullet. Bu Bullet. And he looks to his friend. Uh, Mr. Bullet? From the Empire? Yes. Do you have any, any more questions for me? I, I'm sorry, sir. We didn't know it was you. We didn't know you were conducting business in Port Anchor, but you should come to the barracks. We have an urgent message for you from the capital. You have an urgent message from the capital? Yes. Uh, the, the message was to be delivered to you if and when you entered our city. Who's the message from? Uh, one of the magistrates from the Imperial Capital. All right, lead me to... Uh, I, I'm sorry, sir. We didn't know it was you. Uh, we apologize. I made no announcement. It's not your fault. Uh, so they lead you to the barracks, and there is a sealed letter uh, addressed to you. Within, and they give you the instructions also. This is uh, if and when uh, Justicier Harrison Bullet is to enter city limits. This letter is to be delivered immediately. Just when I wanted to fucking stay incognito. Um. So the, these two guys hand me the the letter. Yes. All right. So I I open up the letter. All right. Uh. So the there's two pages inside this envelope. The first page is not really instructions, but basically it's explaining that this letter. This same letter has been sent to every major city in the Empire in the hopes of catching you as soon as possible. So there's copies of this letter everywhere. Okay. So going to the second page, it starts off with, uh, Dear Mr. Bullet, A tragedy has befallen your home. At your earliest convenience, we wish to have you report back to the city for debriefing. 
He takes the letter, he folds it, he puts it in his pocket, and then turns to the Thunder Force. What's the fastest way back to the Imperial Capital? We can charter you a caravan to Starfall Castle, and from there use the harbor to get you to the city. It'll take about a week. A week to charter or a week to travel? A week to travel. We can have the charter ready by tomorrow morning. Obviously, Harrison is thinking the worst, that his family's dead. This is relatively early in the day, correct? Yeah. I would say it's like mid-morning. Waiting till tomorrow is unacceptable. I need the caravan by this afternoon. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll do what we can. Uh, come back here in the afternoon. Okay. We'll have it ready. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess at this point, Harrison's only business is to go back to the inn. He settles up. And... Uh, oh, boy. And then outside of that, he's just going to go right back okay. to the barracks and wait for the uh, for the caravan to be ready. And I will assume this is post-haste, no stops. Yeah, no stops. Like direct sleep, flight. Pretty much. Yeah, we're going fucking straight. All right. So in the coming days, uh, you have a caravan. You're in a, you're in a, uh, an imperial carriage. Um pretty comfortable and you can actually sleep in it uh, it's just you so there's plenty of room you can stretch out and try to relax the uh, the caravan leaves Port Anchor that afternoon uh, by evening you're near the outskirts of uh, Keska Gorge from there you follow the shoreline up past Bygard and you're circumnavigating the Black Hollow Timberlands the flatlands start rising up in scenery that you're used to. Mountains, forests. As you go deeper into the Timberlands, there's a mountain pass much more accommodating than the one from Hexley to Facepire. It's actually a highway drilled through the mountain pass that leads to Starfall Castle. Uh, on the sixth day, you reach Starfall Castle. And uh, Starfall Castle is almost, is more of a city really than a castle. It's a sprawling, tremendous estate, several buildings, and its own harbor in the rear, uh, which has airships that go to and from the capital. As you travel through Starfall Castle estate, uh, you exchange some pleasantries with some Thunder Force officials. Uh, nobody, unless you told them, nobody really knows what's going on. No. Um, but they wish you the best of luck. Yeah, and unless they know, yeah, then nobody knows. Yeah, no, nobody knows. Was was the um, was the letter signed? Like, who is it from? Uh, it is from Lieutenant Simon Rytrack. R-I-T-A-C-H. Okay. 
you board uh, at dawn. You board an airship bound for uh, the Imperial capital, flying over the tumultuous Lake uh, de Brin. By it only takes like maybe an hour or two to cross the lake. By mid morning, you are in a carriage heading toward. Uh, not the not the imperial capital building necessarily, but in that region, okay, uh, near like same area where you had like the library and all that stuff, and you find yourself in this uh, in this imperial office, and this older man, long gray hair, tied back into a tight ponytail, um, with very regal armor, uh, with the Thunder Force insignia kind of all over him. Big long cloak. He uh, he walks in. Harrison Bullet. Yes. I am Lieutenant Simon Rytrak. Rytrak. Please have a seat. And he sits down across from you from this desk with a like a leather file with a string. And he unties the string and opens it. Unfortunately, something has happened. Uh, we were given instructions to build an estate for you and your family while you were out in service to the Emperor. We finished the estate quickly and moved your family in. Approximately three weeks ago, the caretaker became concerned because the house had been locked for several days. They notified us, and we broke through the door, and we found your wife and your two children dead. We immediately sent word uh, to Tassona and to all other cities where you may theoretically be visiting to get in touch with you as soon as possible. Uh, in that time, we are aware of your friendship with uh, Maximo, and Maximo has yet to reveal himself. We have not been able to find him. We went to the apartment where he was last registered, and the apartment is abandoned. My deepest condolences to you. Where are they? They are presently in the morgue, uh, and we left the scene of the crime untouched. For your personal inspection. All right, I turn and I, I leave. I leave his office. And as I'm leaving, I'm shouting. Because I would imagine Harrison has no idea where the morgue is. Right. Uh, you would have a contingent with you, unless you specifically said not to. That would guide you along the way. Okay, well, whoever's with me, Harrison will shout out for them to take him to the morgue. Okay. It's close. Um, you are considered, even though it's an empire, you're considered like part of the noble estate. Right. So you have your own private everything. So they bring you to this, uh, this very nondescript squat building uh, that goes down into like a basement area. Uh, and out of respect, everyone just kind of opens the door for you. They point to the, the door that leads down and everyone just kind of backs away and lets you. Okay go down. Yeah. 
So down uh, in the basement is the mortician. And uh, he expresses his condolences. And he... It's very cold down here because it's down in the earth. Uh, and he pulls out like these rolling racks uh, for the family members and pulls them out. They have sheets covered over them. And he warns you um, we were given instructions not to conduct an examination. So while it is cold down here, there may be some decay. I just want to prepare you. And if you need anything, I'll be in my office. And he walks into this private office and closes the door. It's got a window so he can see you. Right. In case, you, you know, you're like, eh. Um, and he leaves you to it. So he pulls out three... There's like three corpses. Yes. Under sheets. Yes. All right, so Harrison will walk up to presumably what's his wife and slowly he pulls the sheet back so uh, whatever processes of death have already come and gone the rigor mortis all of that the bloating she actually looks surprisingly okay but you can tell she's been dead for a little bit um, Are you going to examine the body, or is it more like a saying goodbye kind of a thing? Well, I think more it's initial shock. Okay. All right. Trying to think how he would respond to this. I think when he realized, you know, when he, he, so he'll pull the sheet back. He sees it's his wife. He just kind of flings the sheet back over her face in, like, disgust. Like, how can this be? And I think he's he's probably more, well, I shouldn't say more, but not only is he alarmed by the death of his wife and, I mean, eventually he's going to, you know, take the sheet off of his children, but, you know, he just, he can't come to terms with why he had this vision that his family was dead. Like, it's like now just starting to like weigh like really heavily on him, like why of all things that he would see, like, why would he be shown that in a vision? Right? So that initial burst of anger after it subsides, he'll go back and, and take the sheets off of the, the children just to confirm that it was, in fact, the, the two children. And it is. Okay. All right, so he'll leave... You know, the body's exposed. And, you know, I could picture him kind of pacing and eventually his anger starts to fucking, like, build and build and build. And then whatever surfaces closest to him, I'm sure he's going to send a fist into. Okay. Um, all right, so he'll, he'll, after that, after kind of cooling down a little bit, uh, he'll go back to uh, his wife's body and he'll, I mean, he's no medical practitioner, but he'll take a look at the body and see if anything, you know, jumps out at him. Give me a medicine check with disadvantage. Because I'd imagine you're still like, you're looking at your wife and or your children. So you're a little distraught. A 
no. I rolled a two and a three. Okay. I can't even tell if they're human. I'm like, <laughs> I, what is this? So, uh, as you're looking at them, I would imagine in your frantic state, yeah, you're just kind of like, stop me if I'm wrong. I imagine like you're just kind of like lifting sheets, looking at stuff, putting it back down, almost like hectic. Yeah, lifting an arm, looking at the arm, putting it back down, and and more of like, how can this be? Is going through my head versus. Okay, let's find out what happened. Right. right like, how can this happen? Yeah. Why is this happening? That kind of thing. So while you're doing that, the mortician comes out, and uh, he slowly places a gentle hand on your shoulder. I'm sorry for your loss. We did not do an autopsy, but I did examine the bodies, and from what I can see and my experience in this field there was no pain involved I don't see any contusions I don't see any lacerations uh poison we won't know that until we have your blessings to conduct a proper examination. I just kind of head nod and, and wave my hand, and now anything that comes out of his mouth starts to sound like the teacher from Charlie Brown, and the only thing that's ringing in my head is Maximo. And I think it goes from... It goes from being a thought in Harrison's mind to finding his name on his lips as like a quiet whisper, which then eventually grows into just pure rage. So Harrison just looks to the medical examiner and says, do what needs to be done. And I storm out of the room. All right. Uh, so your entourage is with you. Um, and whoever's in, the lieutenant did not come with you. He's, you know, right. everyone's, uh, nobody's really quite sure how to react for several reasons. One, it's your family. Two, this is a horrible way to find out. Three, they don't really know you that well, but they know that you're capable, and they do believe, based on your prior success, that you're dangerous. So, like as far as like physically, like you can hurt people if you want to. Right. They don't know anything else really about you. So everyone's just kind of walking on eggshells, and they're gently asking, you know, do you do you want to go to the scene of the crime? Take me. So they bring you to like a, an outer area of the nobility section of the imperial capital, and they show you a house that looks like it was freshly constructed, and you can see the door is kicked in. It's a very nice house. Uh, and the, again, they show you where the door is, and the guy who seems like he's kind of in charge of this entourage just, you know, would you like me to accompany you, or would you like to go by yourself? Stay here. We are sending word to the original investigator on this so that you can talk with him. Okay. Uh, he should be here soon. All right. I just, I walk away from him. Okay. Uh, so I go to the front door. The front door obviously was kicked in. Yes. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll step inside the uh, the house. All right. So does it look like it's like disheveled? Give me uh investigation.
eight. Okay. With an eight, uh, you don't notice anything disheveled. You do notice a smell from rotting food because now it's been a few weeks. Um, any fruits or anything that you might see on like the kitchen are almost completely... Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen like fruit that just eventually it like vanishes, right. but it's in that close state where it's very like uh, stringy and black. Mm. Uh, but the one thing you do overwhelmingly notice are symbols carved all over the place. What kind of symbols? Give me a flat 20. Nine. Okay. You've seen these symbols before. Where? With a nine, I'm not going to tell you. Okay. But I have another handout. Oh. Just full of handouts today. That's not all of them, but they all look something similar to that. Uh, Lots of angular pictures, triangles, um, lots of ruin, ruinic pictures. Well, the one that catches his eye goes back to what that original parchment that had the two lines with the almost looks like a house. Mm-hmm. following gameplay includes scenes of extreme violence and gore. Listener discretion is advised. Uh, and now that you're kind of out in the open, they're starting to lose interest in you. They're starting to turn their attention on the security officers and the rest of the civilians that are like trapped inside of this place. Okay. Alright, so if that's the case, I'm going to just keep taking pop shots from the outside to... Okay. All right, so then at this point, I guess I'm just going to start aiming into the group. Okay. Right, because I, like, I don't have a... I guess Bannon's not concerned with moving, so now he's just kind of like... He's stationed outside of the door. He sees these guys are now turning their attention, like you said. Um, so he's just going to start aiming. He's going to start aiming into the... What do you need? I just want to double check with this. So uh, I have six successes and a wrath, an exalted rather on my wrath. Uh, it's a crit. Oh, I have crit. All right, so and I get a glory. Why don't we roll one additional attack, overall attack for your crit? Okay. All right, so that was two, right? Yep. Huh. I crit again, and I 
have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight successes with another crit. Roll again. That's another two. And I have six successes. So I imagine, like, you're kind of outside the door. You're kind of looking at them. Now that you realize they're not kind of paying attention to you, and maybe you're a little nervous at first. You've never seen these things before. Right. You're a little freaked out. But now that they're not paying attention to you, now you kind of, like, stretch out a little bit, and you just take aim, and you just unleash a flurry of rounds, and you just watch these things, ruptured organs, and just pus blowing out of their, their guts as they just fall. And in one quick, like, burst, every every round holds true, and you just see these things start dropping. And Grell takes out another one. Uh, the security services take out another one. Uh, I almost feel like I'm like Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon. I see the, the fucking <laughs> exactly, head turn exactly. and just fucking mow these assholes. Too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay. Um, hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to send another volley in. All right. I aim into the group and fire. Oh, of course. So I have four successes and a complication. All right, so I would say at this point, nobody's standing still. Everyone's kind of moving. Just give me one Wrath dice. Anything other than a one, uh, we won't hit. A one. (laughs) Of course. Okay. Fuck. So I end up shooting one of the security guards. All right, roll damage. (laughs) Oh, he's dead, dude. He's fucking dead. How far is he from me? Well, you're using a bolt gun, not the melted gun. Yeah, Correct. But there's some things that come into play. Is he within 20 meters of me? I would say so. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh... He's gonna... One, two, three, four. Oh, that's bad. That's fucking bad. He takes, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 points of damage. Alright, so... He ends up taking two wounds. What kind of uh, fucking security personnel is this? He has armor. I like this guy. <laughs> so uh, the round maybe skips off a wall and like hits him in like the like the bicep. And during the it's one of those wounds where during the battle like he's like ah, but he keeps going like he doesn't even realize what happened. It'll right. be afterwards where he looks like what the fuck. So you we'll see if you get away with this later. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay. Uh, and you had. There are only four of these things left. Okay. All right. Fucking no complications. No complications. No complications. Uh, one. Five successes. And we are down to the last Pox Walker. Give me 1d3. Three. I guess that doesn't really make sense. How would one guy grab three people? He just grabs one. I shouldn't have had you roll that. We're up to two. 
Okay. And five civilians left in this place. Three successes. So after just about a minute, a little less than a minute of just sustained gunfire, these things finally drop. The last one finally goes down. Out of the 10 civilians, you're able to save five of them. Okay. Uh, the entryway of this place is just a disgusting mess. Just littered with like pus and mucus. Slime, blood, chunks of bone, ruptured organs, uh, blown out teeth, bullet holes. This place is a disaster. You see the security team methodically and systematically just going to each one and just putting another round in it just to make sure that whatever's on the ground is actually dead. Uh, one of them with insignia on her uh, shoulder pads and chest piece approaches you uh, with kind of like a wave. Alright, Bannon walks up to her. And he says, what the fuck is going on here? <sighs> Thanks for your help, Inquisitor. I'm, uh, I'm Sergeant Grosvenor. I'm in charge of the security detail here at the hospital. What a fucking mess. Can the hospital staff identify these people? Uh, maybe. I'm pretty sure that these things came from outside. These weren't patients here. I have no idea. Um, we're going to have to take some time to kind of figure out what's happening. I was hoping that maybe you saw them when they came in. No. No, we didn't see them outside. They came from down that hallway. And I just point to the hallway that, that ultimately, you know, we saw them coming down. So she kind of looks back and holsters her gun and like kind of like rubs her brow. Like, ah, okay. Uh, I'm sorry, Inquisitor, what, what brings you here today? I understand that you need time to deal with whatever this is. My mission is an urgent one, and, and seeing what just took place, I need to know immediately if you have a patient here by the name of Ichabod Palmer. Uh... I, yeah, let's go to the uh, let's go to the reception desk. I'm, I'm sorry about all this. So uh, you go to the reception desk, and there's a uh, sister hospitaler at the desk. She survived this encounter, and as soon as she sees you, she runs up and, and goes to give you a hug because she feels like you saved her. Uh, and she says, "Oh, thank you so much. I, I don't know what we would have done if you weren't here at the right time." I, I just put my hand out and say, "You can thank your." security staff later if you could please just check your records for an Ichabod Palmer sure and she goes to the recogitator and she's typing uh yes he's in the exotic diseases ward
I'm just staring at her. So we're just staring at each other. Okay. I'm like, well, I didn't come all this way just to find out that he's in your exotic diseases ward. Have somebody escort me to him immediately. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. So, uh, are you leaving the sergeant here or are you? Yeah, I don't, I can care less about the sergeant. Okay. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't care about what this shit was for right now. I, I just, the inquisitor sent me on this mission. I, I need to make sure that this guy is okay. And okay. then we can deal with this. Right. All right. So, um, despite the name, it looks like it's just a regular ward of the sanitarium. You take a lift up to the floor where this uh, where this ward is, and you see like above the doorway of, of this lift carriage, it says exotic diseases. As before the doors open, uh, you get sprayed with some kind of mist or foam that decontaminates you. Uh, other than the spraying. As the door opens, it's just basically a long hallway with doors on either end. Uh, and it doesn't really look spectacular in any way. Um, there are... It's one long hallway in this in this ward. It contains 25 rooms. So okay. from your entry, all the rooms on the right are even numbered, 2 through 24. On your left are 1 through 23, and then room number 25 is all the way at the end facing you. And the rooms are mostly, as you walk down the hall, if you were to look, most of the rooms are identical. Uh, all of them have two beds in it, and for the most part, most of them have two patients in each bed. There's also, uh, next to the room at the end, it's a little kitty corner office for like where the the staff works. And that's where you head. Give me an awareness test. Four icons. As you're walking down this hallway, you notice that everyone in their beds are very monotone, almost in a chanting fashion, reciting numbers in no discernible pattern. And you're hearing numbers all the way from zero to 2047 in no sequential order, just droning, monotone reciting of numbers. It's so droning and monotone, in fact, that eventually it almost fades into the background. The speakers in the ceiling are broadcasting imperial hymns. And it almost, in this weird way, kind of fades behind this, uh, this speaker playing the hymns. As they're doing this, are they all like standing in the room or some are standing, some are laying down they're in bed? They're all laying down. They're all laying down in bed. What do they all sound like? They're on lithium? 
It's a way to put it, yeah. Okay. All right, so he makes a mental note of it and continues to walk to the uh, the staff office at the end of the hall. Okay, uh, and there's a uh, Sister Hospitaller uh, at, like, a cogitator typing, and she looks up at you. Oh, uh, Inquisitor, how can I help you? What's with the chanting? It's a side effect of whatever these poor souls are suffering from. Well, I would imagine they're all suffering from the same ailment then, correct? Yes. So what is it that they're suffering from? Uh, I believe our head surgeon uh, has named it abscess disease. Abscess disease? Yes. And this is something new, not seen before? Not to my knowledge, uh, but uh, Surgeon Cohen is renowned. So if, if... he didn't create it. He knows about it. I'm looking for a particular patient that I was told was in this wing. His name is Ichabod Palmer. Oh, yes. Uh, room eight. Bed two. And how is he progressing? Um... I mean, unfortunately, he's suffering the same symptoms that everyone else in this ward is suffering. Understood, but how is he progressing? Is anybody getting better here? Not to my knowledge, no. Is a surgeon available? Uh, He is not available, but we have a tech priest available. Uh, Tech priest Philanon, he's in room 15. All right, Bannon turns around. He'll, he'll walk to room eight just to peek through the window to see what the fuck is going on. And I would imagine he just sees two people laying down in bed just chanting. Yes, their eyes are open. Uh, give me a Medicaid test. Oh, one of my better skills. Hold on. Difficulty one. I pass with the complication. All right, so he's in his bed. Uh, his eyes are open, along with the other person uh, in the room with him. Uh, they almost look like they have like that thousand-yard stare as they're staring at the ceiling. And he, too, is chanting a series of numbers uh, in no discernible order. Uh, but you can tell that other than that, he appears to be healthy. Uh, you can see that the bandages have been removed from his wound on his stomach, uh, and it, it looks like it's been healing nicely but he's almost in like a catatonic state. Uh, As you walk through the rooms and you're kind of looking through the windows, you see several uh, Medicaid workers tending to linens, washing people. There's also lots of servitors doing the same kind of work. Okay. All right. Bannon will turn his attention to room 15. Okay. Yeah, so he walks over there to talk to the tech priest. So, room 15 
has people in it, but it also looks like it's almost like a lab um, where he's kind of working on this issue here. Uh, again, the people in this room, same kind of thing, just mumbling these numbers. And the tech priest just furiously going through like, uh, like on the end of each bed is an auto-scriber that's just calculating everything that's happening with the people. IV drips. It's giving diagnostic reports. Every couple of minutes you see it scribbling. And there's almost like rolls of parchment that he's just kind of like, he's going through like several of them at the same time. Uh, and he really has adopted the Adeptus Mechanicus lifestyle because he is almost completely machine. Okay. You'd almost confuse him for a servitor were it not for like his robes hmm. and maybe a couple of patchwork of flesh. <clears throat> the door is open. Uh, yes. All right. So Bannon steps through the threshold of the door. It says, "Good day, Tech Priest." And he kind of turns to regard you. Afternoon, Inquisitor. Roommate, bed two. Ichabod Palmer. What can you tell me about him? He came into the sanitarium with a moderate wound to his abdomen. While he was in the hospital, he started exhibiting symptoms similar to the people here. Thus, he was brought up to the exotic diseases ward. Where was he found? Meaning? Prior to uh, coming to the sanitarium. He was engaged in a mission from an Ordo Hereticus Inquisitor, uh, but we are not privy to that information. He was found on a battlefield and sent here. And while he's talking to you, like he turned to regard you when you first walked in to say hello. And then as you ask him questions about Ichabod, he is just answering you, but not looking at you and just looking at these parchments right. and writing things down while he's talking. Has he been improving or, improving or has he been getting worse? This disease is very unique, Inquisitor. There is no improving or getting worse. Everyone that is here has been this way since they arrived, exhibiting these symptoms. Physically and mentally, they appear to be healthy and acute. However, this catatonic state has rendered them all but useless. We have had some perish uh, but unfortunately the tests are inconclusive I'm not sure if they perished from pre-existing conditions that went untreated pre-existing wounds that went untreated or from this disease itself how many have perished I'm sorry Inquisitor I don't know that number off the top of my head uh, but we do have a morgue on premise that you can certainly check
How many patients have you had that have exhibited these symptoms? Presently, there are 49 patients here. Patient zero is in room seven. He's by himself. It's an astropath. I don't have any evidence, but I do believe that chaos and the warp have something to do with this. I assume that is why you are here. I'm here specifically for room eight, bed two. I understand. I wish I had better news for you, Inquisitor. But I assure you, I am working as diligently as possible. Unfortunately, when I get an answer to one test, and I believe I'm going in the right direction, it contradicts answers I've gotten from two or three previous tests. The information just doesn't make sense. if he would do me a favor yeah Bannon turns to Grell do me a favor head to the morgue confirm that the bodies that have been infected with this disease are still in fact in the morgue and are not the individuals that we dealt with in the hallway as we came into the sanitarium yes of course I will go to morgue right away And then Bannon will walk over to room seven. Okay. Do you think the windscreen on this microphone is flammable? Yes. It is. It's neoprene, yeah. Shit. Okay. You know, at some point during recording... <laughs> one day. One day, <laughs> one of us, mainly me, I think, is going to like drink heavily and light this thing on fire. <clears throat> All right, so Bannon just wants to observe what's going on in room seven, being that this is patient zero. Not that Bannon's a, a doctor by any means, but he just wants to look in and, and see if he observes anything different, any different behavior. Is he also laying on the bed and chanting, or is he standing yes. there in silence? Yeah, exactly the same as the other patients. Okay. Um, all right, so after a, a, a little while, he'll go back over to the tech priest and... Uh, He'll just say, uh, P- 
patient zero, the astropath, where was he found? Uh, he was admitted into this hospital for an unrelated issue uh, prior to the sanitarium. I'm not sure where he was. What was the issue that he was brought in for? A minor injury. Hmm. When will the surgeon be available to speak to? Uh, I believe he's in a meeting somewhere else in this facility. You can go down to the ground floor and check with administration. They may be able to provide you with his schedule. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Bannon will leave. Um, Yeah, Bannon will go to uh, administration. Okay. Uh, on the ground floor, it is past uh, the reception area. This is kind of like the grand like lobby almost. Uh, there is an administration desk, and there is also a chapel uh, where some of the survivors you notice are sitting in talking with uh, an imperial priest. Okay. So he goes over to the uh, the desk in administration. I believe you have a surgeon Cohen. Ah, yes. Can he be paged? I require his audience immediately. Uh... We can try, but I believe he's in a private meeting right now, but uh, I'll see if I can get in touch with him. Yes, please. So she uh, she goes on to a cogitator, uh, and she picks up, like, a Vox caster. And uh, after some time, a uh, couple minutes, she comes back. I'm sorry, sir. He, he hasn't responded. Uh, is there something I could do for you? No, it's imperative that I speak with the surgeon. Okay, I will. I'll try again uh, in a little bit. And Bannon just stands there staring at her. He's just gonna make it very uncomfortable. Uh, so after a couple minutes, she kind of like is like typing and filing papers and like doing that thing where like you shuffle papers on the desk and put them back down and pick them back up again. And she's like, okay. So she picks up the Voxcaster again, uh, and no response.
Would you Would you like me to send an orderly to see if they can track him down for you? No, not necessary. Uh, I'm sure you're aware that the Inquisitor's time is valuable. Yes. More valuable than any of the patients in this sanitarium. I'm just going to try to intimidate her. Uh, it's imperative you just tell me where he is, and I will track him down. Uh, he's in a meeting in another facility. Um, where? It's on the other part of the on the other side of the campus. Okay. What building and what room number? Uh, I believe the meeting is being held in uh, Building Seven North, uh, and usually the meetings are held in Room Four Sixty Two. Thank you. You're welcome. So I take it with my boxcaster, I can communicate with, uh, with Grell? Yes. So I patch into Grell. Grell, any word? I am just making my way to Morgue now. This facility very large. Mm. Uh, when you're done, find me in Building 7 North, Room 462. Of course. Uh, all right, so I, I start heading out. As I pass reception where that skirmish took place, is that sergeant still there or no? They've kind of... Uh, there's a couple of, like, security guards. Okay. Um, helping with, like, cleanup and, like, quarantining the area. Not quarantining necessarily, but, like, like a crime scene almost. Right. Uh, just real quick, uh, has anybody established if these were patients here? Uh, I'm sorry, sir. I, I have no idea. Okay. All right, I, I walk out the building. And I, I try to find where the fuck 7 North is. Okay. Uh, so I would say after some time, the buildings are pretty... It makes sense the way the buildings are laid out. So you realize you're in a South building. Right. And you're making your way towards the North building. And I would say after some time, you find yourself in this building. Very similar to the rest of the hospital. White marble uh, and things of that nature. Okay. All right, so when I find that building, he'll, uh, you know, Bannon walks inside. Okay. Uh, and you find this meeting room, and you see several people uh, in some kind of meeting with slides up on the wall with human bodies and things of that nature. All right, for a brief moment, Bannon will kind of, like, hang outside and see if this meeting is starting to come to some sort of conclusion. Uh, give me investigate. Difficulty one. two icons. Alright, so uh, it's hard to tell if it's coming to a conclusion or not, but there is one gentleman uh, standing at the front uh, very giving like a very impassioned something or other regarding pictures on this screen. Other people in the room are taking notes and things like that. Okay, based on what he's talking about, does any of it seem familiar? Like the pictures, are they pictures from like within the hospital? No, they're like pictures of just like x-rays of like human bodies oh, and okay, things like okay. that.
All right. If it doesn't seem like it's uh, like wrapping up anytime soon, I, I walk into the meeting. Okay. Uh, when you walk in, you see the guy giving the presentation, like eyeballs you as you walk in, and then maybe stops for just a moment, um, but continues on uh, with his lecture or whatever it is that he's doing. Bannon loudly clears his throat. <clears throat> so you see him eyeball you again, and this causes a couple people in the room to look back at you, and you would swear maybe one of them almost like rolls their eyes and goes back to note-taking and listening to this lecture. I walk up to wherever this dais is. And as I as I'm walking up, um Yeah, as I'm walking up, Bannon will say The Inquisition will not be ignored as you play with slides on some machine. I'm looking for Dr. Cohen. So the guy giving the presentation just stops, looks around and says, well, uh, I suppose this is as good a time as any to take a break. Uh, everyone meet back here in 10 minutes. Go stretch your legs. And the guy giving the presentation steps down and approaches you. Can I help you? Dr. Cohen. Yes. I'm on an urgent mission from the Inquisitor. Ichabod Palmer, one of your patients. I'm sorry. You're not an Inquisitor? Oh, I am an Inquisitor. Working for another Inquisitor. Are you questioning me? Just trying to understand who I'm talking to. These are very difficult times. Well, I am pressed for time. And Bannon did not like that. And he reaches down. He grabs his little timer that he has. <laughs> okay and he takes it and he flips it over and places it on like I take it there's like a lectern or yeah 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 so he places it down there And we're getting the phone. Ichabod Palmer. What can you tell me about him? You'll have to be more specific. I'm not sure who that is. In your isolation ward, room eight, bed two, Ichabod Palmer. He was brought in, suffered a gut injury. Okay. And now he's one of the individuals chanting away. Ah, yes. What can you tell me about him? He's suffering the same disease as everyone, every other poor soul in that ward. And what disease might this be? Uh, I've named it the abscess disease. Why? Uh, it's an old imperial word for, uh, like a synonym for catatonic. 
Well, I'm sorry, what is this uh, thing that you put on my desk? Is there any cure? Or have we made any progress with these patients? I would like to make progress uninterrupted, Inquisitor. Well, I see the only one working towards progress might be your tech priest while you're in here looking at slides. Oh, I'm sorry. Would you like to give me the finer points of docile revertebration? No. I would like for you to tell me what the problem is. I don't know. That's what I'm working on. Well, he's been in your care for quite some time, and the only thing that you've been able to come up with, it was a fancy name. And no results. The medical process is very delicate and intricate. I'm sure you can appreciate that, Inquisitor. I can also appreciate the funding that comes to this hospital and how it can quickly be taken away. All right. Look, uh, this disease is not spreading anywhere else. It seems to be isolated to these people. That much we know. I'm not clear as to what organ this disease is affecting, but I have some evidence to indicate that it, it attaches itself to the brain. But we don't understand how or why. Correct. And the numbers? Just another mystery. Not some code. I mean, the numbers don't appear to be in any kind of order or um, sequence. Thank you. What about patient zero? Anything learned from him? No, his uh, he has gotten neither better nor worse. His symptoms are exactly the same. He was just the first one that we noticed suffering from it. And all the symptoms started when these individuals were brought into the sanitarium? Yes. Unfortunately, at this point, all I can do is try to make these people comfortable while we work tirelessly on a cure. So nobody exhibited these symptoms outside of the sanitarium? To my knowledge, no. Are you aware of the attack that occurred? maybe a half hour ago in the hallways of the building of your no I have a security force I would speak with them no I I, I help deal with the problem oh personally well then the hospital thanks you no I'm not looking for a thanks I'm wondering if this has anything to do with the patients in this observation ward of a disease that seems to originate from your hospital. I'm working as best as I can. That's all I can tell you. Uh, I wish I could tell you more. Patient Zero, was he in contact with any of the other patients prior to the other patients exhibiting symptoms of this abscess disease, as you have named it? Not to my knowledge. But nobody had these symptoms again before entering the sanitarium? Correct. Has this sort of outbreak occurred before? No, and that's why this is so complicated. We have no precedence for this, nothing to go on. Nothing like this has ever happened before in medical history. As an imperial 
duly ordained surgeon from the Astra Militarum. I assure you, I'm doing everything in my power to assist. Right then, he just takes his timer and puts it away. Right before the last sands run to the bottom. Just puts it in his pocket. Has the entire facility here been quarantined? No. Well, it seems as though this disease originates from the facility itself, no? It stopped spreading. It stopped spreading? Yes. These are the only patients exhibiting the symptoms. For right now? Correct. When was the last... Who was the last patient to exhibit symptoms? Uh, I said that right at one second. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... You would have to check with the medical staff. I'm not sure which one was the last one that came in. Okay, well, how long ago was the last patient brought in who exhibited these symptoms? Roughly one week. So in the past week, there have been no cases, no new cases. Correct. So you feel as though you've quarantined this to that observation bay? What I'm trying to explain is I don't know anything. I just have questions with no answers. Okay, when was patient zero brought in? A week prior to that. This whole thing lasted, occurred in the span of one week. Your Voxcaster goes off. Excuse me. Go for Bannon. Now, this is like an ear thing, right? Right, right. All right. So the yeah, guy he can't, can't hear me. Okay. Uh, yes, Inquisitor. Uh... I'm not sure what I look for down in morgue, but there's nothing here. Nothing there, meaning no bodies there? Correct. Is there a morgue caretaker down there that you can speak with? Uh, No, this is an automated facility with uh, servitors only. I think perhaps maybe you come and look with me? Yes, I'll be there momentarily. And I end the call. I turn back to the doctor. Uh, approximately, and I see you're very busy here. A- how many people at any given time do you believe are kept in the morgue of the sanitarium? I 25? I have no idea. I, I know that it seems like I'm detached, but I'm, I'm running this entire facility. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to answer that question for you. We bring bodies in, we cremate them. Um, but what if I tell you right now that your morgue is empty? I'm sure that's not the case. Unless they did a mass burning today, but I don't recall seeing that on the schedule. Something your facility is... Something your facility commonly does? Mass burnings? If there's several people with no families, uh, then yes. Would that be in the dozens, you think? Um... Let me fill you in as to what I know. Okay. You have a disease, an outbreak, that seems to exist. Ground zero for this disease originates from your sanitarium. You have a morgue that's devoid of bodies. Which is funny, because upon my arrival, I was greeted by about two dozen zombie-like humans in the halls of your sanitarium. Which I believe just happens to be the same building that the morgue is located. 
What happened? Go ahead. You good? Yeah. For now, by order of the Inquisition, your campus is on lockdown. Nobody is to leave. Okay. Now let me tell you what I know. I know that I have holy decrees that originate from Terra herself. And I know that I am working tirelessly to fix this problem. I also know that you are very concerned about your compatriot, and I respect that. But I promise you, Inquisitor, I begrudgingly allow you access to this sanitarium, but if you are to go to whoever your superiors are and attempt to get into a political competition with me, I promise you, you will sorely lose. I am doing my best to help you. Now, rather than making empty accusations, perhaps we can help each other. I am trying to find a cure. And I am dealing with the top surgeons and doctors in the field, in this meeting right now, that you felt the need to interrupt. And despite my pleasantries of trying to guide you in the right direction, you have failed to heed those. So I'll, let me be blunt. Let me do my work. I'll let you do yours. If I can help you, I will. But you're in my hospital. And you can throw any kind of inquisitional decrees that you want. The fact of the matter is, in this world, I'm more important than you are. The morgue is in the central building, sub-basement too. Good luck. And he turns around and starts walking away into the meeting room. Okay. I hit him with my shock ball. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it's fair to assume that, that Bannon has not quite yet grasped the political nature of how the Inquisition works in conjunction or basically outside of the powers of Terra. You push until you can't push anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I got so you. So he hears this and he doesn't know if the guy's bluffing or if he's telling the truth or, you know, who supersedes who in this situation. So he'll, he'll kind of... Err on the side of caution. Yeah, he'll leave it at that. <laughs> um... um All right, Bannon's going to leave this building and he's going to head towards where the morgue is. Okay. Yeah, he's going to go meet Crow. What happened? <gasps> Hello? Oh. oh, God. We've been recording for more than 30 minutes, right? Are you fucking serious? Oh, dude, I almost had a fucking heart attack. All right, so uh, we'll wrap this up soon. Uh, all right, so we get to the morgue. And Grell is standing there. There's a bunch of servitors just going.
going about their business, doing whatever it is servitors do. Mm-hmm. And you know, like those like drawers that yeah, slide yeah, yeah. out. You see Grell, <laughs> you see Grell just with his big robot arm grabbing one and pulling it till it comes off of like the rack. <laughs> okay, and just drops it. He's like, oh, another one empty. He grabs another one, pulls it. They're all empty. Uh, so far, I found the foot locker over here on the other side of the room. Uh, I believe it has personal effects. All right, Bannon walks over to the foot locker. It's unlocked? Yeah. He already broke yeah, it open? Yeah, it's, like, no, it's like a, just like a storage cabinet oh, kind okay. of a thing. All right, so Bannon opens it up. All right, give me an awareness test. Uh, difficulty one. I pass and I can push uh, shift one. All right. So as you're kind of going through the personal effects, you come across several pictures seemingly from different owners. uh, And you immediately recognize people in these pictures as people that you dealt with in the lobby. Okay. We need to shut this place down. I... Are, are there medical records? I, I, I turn to X51. X51. Genevieve. <laughs> My true love. Is there any way that you can access the medical records of the individuals that were contained within this morgue. Of course. So, uh, X51. Uh, plugs into a little, uh, nearby cogitator. Um, and starts communing with the machine spirit and eventually gets the information that she needs. What, what in particular are you looking for, Inquisitor? Uh, cross-reference their illnesses, find out if there's a common theme amongst all the, uh, the dead bodies in here. So uh, she's sitting there for a moment. So what you're asking is... Basically, did these people have the same I want to know disease? If, if they had the same disease or if they were all held prior to the morgue in the same area of the sanitarium. That part we don't know, but they were suffering from similar symptoms from an, un, at that time, unnamed disease. So ultimately, towards the end, they all died of a disease that had the same symptoms, but their original diagnosis when they were brought into the sanitarium <clears throat> were all different. Correct. Yeah, they were brought in for various reasons. Some right. people might have had a broken leg, uh, a flu, things of that nature. Okay. All right, Bannon is going to uh, leave the morgue and step outside. And he's going to collect call the Inquisitor. Okay. 1-800-CALL-COLLECT. Was that the number? Do you remember? 1-800-COLLECT. 
it was just one eight hundred collect, right? Yeah. Not call collect. Correct. Co- Correct for the collect. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Remember calling cards? Oh, yes. Boy. Used to have a sprint calling card. I think they still sell them. I wouldn't be surprised. <clears throat> uh, anyway, on a serious note, yeah, B- Bannon steps outside and he's going to uh, he's going to try to contact the Inquisitor. Okay. Yes, acolyte. I believe there's a larger problem than originally thought at the sanitarium where Ichabod is being held. Upon our arrival, we were attacked. Approximately two dozen what appeared to be the dead walking amongst the hallway, consuming other live individuals and turning them. Uh, Records show that the individuals that attacked us in the hallway were bodies that were being held in the morgue. The morgue is now empty. It seems as though none of the individuals were brought into the sanitarium with common illnesses or diseases. It could have been something as minor as a broken bone or a laceration on their body from different areas geographically speaking yet they've all developed this disease that has caused them to die and then come back in addition to that the individuals that are being held in the wing where Ichabod is being held are exhibiting some very peculiar symptoms mainly they're in a borderline canatonic state chanting random numbers from 0 to 2047. The doctor here seems to believe that he is more important than what he actually is, throwing around the weight of Terra, saying that they supersede our mission. I personally believe this entire facility should be quarantined. Nobody seems to have answers as to what's going on here. I feel heresy is at play. Please tell me kill the doctor. Please tell me kill the doctor. No. <laughs> How many total victims are there? Roughly. Three to four dozen. Two dozen of which have been killed. And... Oh, excuse me. Check that. Approximately two dozen that we dispatched upon arrival. And... 49 total. And our adept is among those. That is correct. How fast is this spreading? Patient Zero was discovered two weeks ago. Okay. And their first death on that wing occurred about one week ago. And when was the newest patient brought in with these symptoms? 
based on the lack of cooperation from the doctor, I was unable to obtain that information. Do you feel the doctor is involved, or do you feel that he is just egotistical? As of right now, I would say he is egotistical. It seems as though they're trying to get to the bottom of it. I did, he would say rudely, but I did interrupt a meeting, and it seemed as though they were trying to come to some sort of resolution or consensus on the problem. Do what you must, but work with this doctor. Understood. Quarantining the hospital may not be a viable option, especially if there's evidence that this quote-unquote disease has stopped its spread. Conduct more investigation with the patients. Maybe find a local gossip. Yes, sir. And that is where we will stop. Nothing beats stopping on the word of the Inquisitor. 